Hey everybody, this is Ricardo. Uh, yeah, I know today was supposed to be our Suspiria episode, but there were some technical difficulties in the editing process that has delayed that episode a bit. Don't worry, it's coming, but while we're trying to fix that, we decided to put out our Clueless episode while you wait. So please enjoy our discussion of Clueless today, and you can look forward to our Suspiria episode with Mr. Dane Diamond coming in the near future. Thank you so much for your patience and understanding, and enjoy the show. From a script that many in Hollywood consider to be dead to a genuine cultural phenomenon, Clueless strutted into theaters in the summer of 1995 and immediately dazzled audiences totally based on its powers of persuasion. Whether it's the film's glamorous fashion or the dozens of iconic catchphrases, it's hard not to get caught up in Clueless's wake. I mean, hello, it's only considered to be one of the best teen films of all time and we'd be totally bugging if we didn't cover it. Ugh, as if. That would just be too tragic. So today we're saying whatever because it does not say RSVP on this podcast. So we're asking the question, Clueless, what's it about? I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. Seth, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. You know, it's uh, it's a good day. You know, good day to talk about uh, the uh, societal elite. Uh, <laughs> run this don't give a don't children. give away don't give away what your <laughs> opinion is. Don't give it away. It's, uh, it's good. I was just gonna say you fixed your hair. You kind of looked like a rooster. Yeah. When your hair I, was I, like that. So this is just this. I haven't washed it in a few days. So, so you I have can, the natural uh, oils. I yeah. have the natural oils, so I can get like a mohawk going if I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they say that's actually healthy for your hair to like not yeah. like like shampoo it every when day. I had the like it, when I had the long hair, that's what I was informed to do was to not wash it every day. So now that's the habit. But uh, yeah, you can get it wet. You just don't want to put like the the soap in it. You know the detergent because that right. strips away those oils right. to make your hair softer. But like. The oils are healthy for your hair. Like they protect That's your what, hair. That was a, a, a share tip, actually. Cher, yeah? Yeah, Cher told me, uh, it's one of her many rules, don't wash your hair every day. Don't <laughs> wash your hair every day. <laughs> I'm just a normal teen. I wake up, I get dressed. She had a touch screen in her room. Yeah. In the, in the 90s. 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, speaking of which, yes, today we're talking about Clueless. Seth, I'm glad you're here today. It is a good day. You look great. Thanks. <laughs> I just got up. I just got up. So I'm trying to like, you know. I feel yeah. I'm, I'm trying to wake up here. I'm wearing pink in honor of Clueless. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I, this is my most fashionable thing. I, I want I, the one guy's clothes. Uh, I want the one guy's clothes. Christian? Christian? Yeah, he's got some yeah. cool clothes. She she even says it in the movie. She says, he dresses better than I do. What could I possibly yeah, do in yeah. a relationship? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about Clueless today. Um, Seth, why did you pick you, – this was your choice. Why come? Why, why, why did you pick Clueless? Um, so this is a movie I just recently watched for the first time. Um, and I was surprised by it because it feels like a movie movie. You know, like, mm-hmm. like it's not, it's not a normal movie movie. Like, it's not like 
we're here watching like I don't know, uh, you know, Suspiria. You know what I mean? Like it, it's definitely not like Suspiria, um, but it is kind of one of those movies that has been like frozen in time and consider and like and like considered a classic, a cult classic at least um, in the film world. And I felt like it was a movie that is also very like everybody likes it. You know what I mean? Mm. So uh, I wanted to do something that appealed to a broad audience, but at the same time, uh, you know, still scratches our itch for a, a film that is, you know, on our meets our criteria for a, a film that should be on this podcast. So I, I, I felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> our criteria is pretty pretty loose let's just be honest i don't know i don't know i mean it is loose it is loose but if you go back and you look at all the ones we we, we choose pretty like film buff style movies you know there's there's one or two here or there that are not like pain and gain or george of the jungle you know that are silly kind of out there but overall, we choose, well, to quote someone else, we've chosen a lot of boy movies. I would consider Who them Who said not, that? Uh, the, the person that kind of suggested that we do uh, this movie, actually, uh, which is- We do uh, a lot of- Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on a second. I, I I'm agree. This. I, w- I agree that they're not all boy movies, but, but I did want to do something that was a little bit broader. When they said boy movies, did they mean like bro movies or like, is that what they mean? I I think the films we've done are very very film, like they're 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 not boy movies. They're film buff movies. You know, they're like they're like movies that film people that like film like. But I was you know, I, I, it was I, a criticism. To use your catchphrase against this person, and it's a fine criticism to use a cat your catchphrase. Seth, I would push back on that because like, I think that's a very narrow way of looking at movies that like oh that movie's for boys and that movie that I, I, honestly that actually this movie in particular uh has some of that in it into its history that we'll talk about later but like i'm looking through here i'm like i think there are a couple of these movies that like people might say like are very masculine and like appeal to a masculine audience a little bit more but then there are things like eternal sunshine i wouldn't call that like super masculine there are things like uh, uh the witch a fish called wanda goofy movie hustlers in like they're not hyper masculine a league of their own you know what i mean yeah we've added a lot more feminine movies to the ranks lately i guess uh but you know shooting from the hip originally you know the matrix as good as it gets like i mean the the criticism even there is like as good as it gets is the least rom-com rom-com of all the rom-coms you know like so Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I don't agree with this person, uh, but uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with broadening our horizons. So no, that's, that's no, why I know. And like you said, do. we've been doing it. We've been doing it lately more. Like, like I said, we said hustlers and then we did a league of their own and then, and then we are doing this one. So like, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. You're right. We are expanding that. Yeah. That for we need sure. to, like we need a broadcast. I agree. We've man. we've done we've we've done two Batman movies. We've done the Matrix. We did Pain Game. I can see how those are like oh those are boy movies. Like I, I think that's yeah. a little bit narrow, but I understand the I understand the the uh, the critique. 
Yes. You know, it's not as it's not as it's not as open and inclusive. Right. So I can get right. I can understand. But so, to that to that audience member, we're doing clues not just because you want us to, but also because it's a pretty dang good movie. Yeah, that, and that's what I mean. Is like it's a it's a movie that fills our criteria. Like it's a good movie that uh, is also palatable to a broad audience, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, like I said, I just recently watched it for the first time, and I was surprised by it. There's like a lot of this movie has a lot of character. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's the little things in this movie that, that make it uh, a good movie, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the plot, whatever, you know, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's just, I like would say little... there's, there's very barely a plot. <laughs> yeah. Very barely. Like there's not yeah. really like a point A to point B story. It kind of ebbs and flows. Like there's like one goal, there's like an A goal, then there's a B goal. And throughout yeah. like, just like share going from like new goal to new goal as she calls them project a new project as she goes from new project to new project it's it's about her journey of well we'll get into that but but you know what i mean it's less so about the 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 story the narrative it's more so about the character journey and this movie i mean essentially started a whole genre of movies you know Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't have um you wouldn't have it's arguable. It's arguable that you wouldn't have Mean Girls if you didn't have this movie. Uh, you wouldn't have. Um, shoot, I just lost it. There's another one. What's the other one? Legally Blonde. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Uh, a lot of people. A legally, lot of people would. Yeah, a lot of people do that. You wouldn't have Legally Blonde if you didn't have this movie. I mean, there's a whole culture on TikTok right now that's arguably based in clueless you know like Mm -hmm. so uh it's a it's definitely it's definitely an influential film oh yeah absolutely i totally agree uh what are your personal opinions about the film just in general it's it's fun um i think it's a fun movie um it's one of those it's strange because it's one of those satirical movies that like I, i don't know where i saw this recently but it's true. Um, satire, you have to be very careful with satire or you become the thing that you're mm-hmm. trying to make fun of, you know? So mm-hmm. like uh, this movie does a really good job of walking that line. Like it mm-hmm. at, at times is like indulges in its, th- in the things it's making fun of, but it also does make fun of it. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a tightrope. Um, so I think, I think because it walks that line so well, uh, it it has a much more powerful effect, I guess. Mm. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, this movie is very slick. It's very slick as yeah. far as like – you're right. It It is very deftly written to the point where it balances itself on that line of like satire and actually the thing it's making fun of so well and it like veils so much of like the deeper themes that are going on in so much plaid and flashy colors and valley speak that people watching it might not see what's going on because it is so vibrant and distracting in so many other ways that like it's like you may actually miss what's going on underneath all of this and that's kind of what this show is about in general is this idea of like hey there's all this stuff going on that kind of distracts you and is meant to 
convey a message almost subliminally. Yeah. And and so we're just trying to peel back those layers and and expose that what that thing is. And so this movie is like a really good example of of that, where it's things are distracting you and what is actually going on behind it all kind of thing. Yeah. Which I think is which I like. I like this movie a lot. I watched it a couple of times. The first time, it took me a second to like get into the vibe because like it. I forgot how like valley and how like bubblegummy this movie like portrays itself to be, and so like for for the first like maybe like twenty thirty minutes I was watching it, it I it was a little bit cringy to me at times yeah. because like yeah. I was like oh. Oh, but then once I got into it, the vibe, I was able to settle in. And then I watched it a second time and wasn't feeling that way during the first half, basically. So, like, it took me a minute to get into the vibe of this film because it, it – yeah, because that culture is, is so yeah. cringy. And it, it's like that's on purpose, though. It's not a movie that I want to sit down and watch over and over again. It's definitely a movie that, like, I was – I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. And then if I was at a party, it would be cool to have on in the background, you know, and then be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that scene, you know, like, like, mm-hmm. but like tracking the plot, like, it, I don't, I don't, it's hard to indulge in this movie multiple times, I think, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's like bubble, it is bubble gum, it is candy, you know, it's like, yeah. not something that you're gonna really be able to sink your teeth into very long and enjoy it. Um, I think people would say that's what bubblegum is exactly for, is sinking your teeth into for a long time. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But you're not going to get any substance, substance, yeah. substance out of it. You know, you're not. You're that's just going to chew. That's just going to chew. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. That's our, our preamble of, of what we f- our feelings of this movie as a movie and as just our film fans. It, let's start getting into how this film came to be, and then eventually what we think this film is about. So this is how this film came to be. This film was written and directed by Amy Heckerling. Uh, Amy Heckerling, who also wrote films like Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking 2, Loser, I Can Never Be Your Woman, and Vamps, as well as wrote a few episodes of Fast Times and Baby Talk, and eventually the Clueless spinoff series. Amy Heckerling also directed... Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Johnny Dangerously, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking 2, Loser, I Could Never Be Your Woman, and Vamps, as well as episodes of Fast Times, the show based on Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Clueless spinoff series, The Office, Gossip Girl, Red Oaks, and Royalties. So Amy Heckling, very, very active in the teen and like young adult kind of world with like Loser and and Gossip Girl and Fast Times and Clueless and things like that, you know. Um, But this is the whole history of how Clueless came to be. In 1993, 20th Century Fox was looking to develop a show about the contemporary teen culture of the time. However, they didn't want the film to focus on, quote, the nerds, but on the cool kids instead. Writer-director Amy Heckerling was tapped to write the pilot based on her track record of success in the teen genre from hits such as Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Heckerling was inspired by the more upbeat characters in her past works and decided to center this story on a character whose nothing-can-go-wrong attitude gets in her way. As the Hollywood legend goes, Heckerling spent time 
in actual Beverly Hills high school classrooms to wow. accurately observe the way teens of this time behaved and talked. She soon realized that in the process of writing the script that she was being heavily influenced by novels she had read back when she was a teenager, which was the novel Emma by Jane Austen. Many people, including Heckling, consider Clueless to be a pretty faithful modern-day reimagining of the Jane Austen classic. Heckling's pilot, which was called No Worries, would end up being rejected by Fox, citing the film's overly female-centric story as potentially off-putting to male audiences. This then sent the script into turnaround, which, for those unindoctrinated into the film industry, basically means the script was stuck in a development process because the studio refused to put it into production, which is also sometimes called development hell. This usually means death for most projects, but not this script. Six months after being rejected by Fox, the script for No Worries would come across the desk of super producer Scott Rudin. Rudin loved the script and gave it his stamp of approval, and with Rudin's backing, the script gained a lot of traction, leading to a bidding war between studios to purchase the rights. Eventually, Paramount Pictures won out, and the film went into production in 1994, premiering in theaters in July of 1995. The film would go on to gross over $57 million worldwide on a $12 million budget, turning a pretty decent profit. But truthfully, it was the film's eventual cult status that has allowed it to endure. Clueless's cultural footprint is impossible not to see. From a 90s television spinoff, to a continued Clueless book series, to Iggy Azalea's fancy music video, to even Donatella Versace's 2018 fashion collection, Clueless continues to inspire. And now, on today, literally today, July 19th, the film's 27th anniversary, we too are joining the celebration. Wow. Yeah. Good timing. Good timing. Seren I believe that is called serendipity. So <laughs> you don't know what that means. <laughs> I do. I'm looking it up. You're just pretending what it, you know what it means. Nope, I know. It means <laughs> the occurrence <laughs> and development of events by chance in a happier, beneficial way. I used it correctly. I know. I'm just I'm quoting the movie. <laughs> you don't know that. Do you even know what you're? Do you know even know what you're talking about? No. Does it sound like I do? <laughs> uh, so that's how this film came to be. A kind of interesting little pro like process and like a little glimpse into again filmmaking bureaucracy. So as you're talking about, Seth, uh, this film was rejected because it was too female-centric. Huh. It focused too much on female characters. There, apparently in earlier drafts of, of No Worries, there was very, very few male characters. Um, and Because the character that would become Cher isn't into dating, at least not yeah. really. Uh, you know, she's not into boys, she, it's, or she is, but, you know, she's just not as open to that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so like there just wasn't boys. a lot of like yeah Hoska boys gross as if, <laughs> as if. <laughs> but yeah yeah but like the 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 apparently the original pilot script is very just you know focused on the female characters and Fox was like no guys aren't gonna want to watch this uh, it depends on who you're asking <laughs> I don't know <laughs> there's some pretty yeah yeah like some pretty yeah if, if I think about it like if back when I was in high school. Bring It On came out. You remember that? Yeah, I, dude, I love it's a, Bring It On. It's, 
it's a you know cheerleading movie. I gotta uh, I gotta be I'm gonna be honest before you're too honest. I'm gonna be too honest. That was <laughs> one of the like awakening films for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those I could be those, a little bit honest. A movie about cheerleading will will have the theaters packed full of dudes. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, this movie, I think, you know, I was I was looking up. Um, Right, right. As you were doing that, because uh, I was curious uh, whether or not Buffy the Vampire Slayer had come out yet. In '95. So, so the show, the show came out in '97. So say, the, the movie had the probably sh- come out by that point. So there's no way that that character was not influenced by Cher. You know what I mean? Buffy? Like, yeah. But however, oh. the the movie came out. The movie came out in '92. So it's yeah. arguable that Cher had influence from Buffy, but the well, OG, maybe. you know, maybe. But well, also there's like Heather's was around at that time, yeah. so there's probably a little bit of that. But this but, definitely yeah. is the movie that pivoted that whole genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, because those movies are a little bit dark. Like Buffy's a little bit dark. Like yeah. she's a little bit more serious, but not uh, on the show. Heather, you know, no, like, no, no. The show, she has yeah, she's a little bit bubblier. She's definitely affected by Cher. Like she's, you know. She's share with a steak, and essentially, you know. Share doesn't eat red meat, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like to to your your to our audience members' point, yeah, there is a perception of like what is a boys' movie and what is a, a yeah. girls' movie, whether yeah. that's fair or not. Um, Whatever. Well, there's I mean, that, there's that in music too. Like if like I get judged a lot for the type of music I listen to because I listen to a lot of like I love a lot of like bubblegum pop stuff. I do. Yeah. I just enjoy it. And like so, people will say like a lot of my music is very girly. And I was like, what does yeah. that even mean? Like what like well, what is that supposed to mean? It's 2022, and we are shattering gender norms. Hell so, yeah! You know, like we can. We're yeah, we are. We're shattering them. So we're we're here to talk about clueless because we're boys. Because we're boys. <laughs> and we're boys. And we're boys. Yes. And we're boys. <laughs> we're yeah, talking about clueless. But yeah, I mean and we're boys. <laughs> I mean, growing up growing up, there were definitely girl movies and boy movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's changing. That's definitely changing. Um, just like our society and uh, you know, the Matrix is definitely was was definitely a boy movie, but it's transitioned. You know what I mean? It is not just a boy movie anymore. You know, uh, mm-hmm. especially the new one. If you've seen the, yeah. the latest, so uh, movies are evolving just like our society. So that's true for me. I, I don't really remember growing up with like boy and girl movies, but for me it was like shows. Cause I had older sisters. Um, yeah. And like in my house, the way it works is the older siblings get priority on like everything <laughs> they get to choose stuff. And so like when it was time to watch TV or like they do this or that, like the older sibling gets to choose. And so like growing up, I watched a lot of charmed Watched a lot of Charmed. Uh, watched a uh, lot of Gilmore Girls. I watched a lot of Charmed as well, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I probably yeah, would have I mean, watched it anyway, but I re- yeah. I specifically remember it was my sister was so we're putting it on. Um, Charmed was great. I like Charmed. I like Charmed yeah. a lot. I do. 
yeah. I didn't really dig the new the new I don't really dig the new one very much, but I haven't seen the new one. Um, but yeah, so like for me, I I was actually a little bit embarrassed to tell my friends I liked that I watched Charmed because none of them yeah. did, you know. Yeah. At that time, none of my like guy friends. Uh, yeah, well, watched Charmed. when we were that age, when we were that age, if you weren't watching Power Rangers or you know Ninja Turtles, it was yeah. you know those are the only shows. Those are the only shows. Yeah, if those you're are, a, those a, are the a only boy. shows. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so yeah, I, I didn't, I, I never talked about Charmed with my friends going, did you guys watch Charmed last night? <laughs> I was, I was scared to talk about Charmed because I grew up in the religious South and oh, yeah, yeah. so like, that's the, that's the devil's show. Yeah. I would watch Charmed and uh, not tell anybody because it was like wrong, man. You were, you know? dude, you were into a lot of like little occult things because like, you were a huge angel fan too. Huge angel. Like my, my favorite genre of uh like fantasy is is supernatural like if it's mm. like i would much rather like i'm not that into aliens i'm not that into like i don't know like i'm not that into like ma- magic like in terms of like medieval like magic wizards, or wizards yeah. and stuff like that for me it's all about like stuff that has to do with religion Go- and- ghosts and ghoulies and demons and uh, anything supernatural angels yeah. 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 Anything related to angels, demons, the occult, like that, I find all that stuff fascinating because it's because I was raised religious. So it's like the most Mm -hmm. tangible to what I think could actually happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's like, you know, the exorcist blew my face off when I saw it, you know, like that movie is horrifying. Well, I We'll have to do that one eventually. We can't, but we're talking about girl things. We're gonna talk. We're talking I, well, about girl things. I was just gonna. I was gonna turn it back. I was gonna say, it was me and you have been breaking the norms, <laughs> breaking the social, breaking the social gender boundaries since we were kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though uh, we were afraid to talk about them back then, yes, we're not afraid yeah. to say it now, and that's no. what we're gonna do today. So let's get into our full discussion. But before we do that, we got to talk about what this film is. What is the general story? What is the general quote unquote plot? What is the events of the movie? And this is what it is. Cher, a blissfully ignorant Beverly Hills teen of the mid nineties struggles to learn that the world isn't always handed to you on a silver platter. That is what this film is about. No, that is what this film is. Shit. (laughs) That's what this film is. <laughs> but that is a very vague plot. That's what it is. <laughs> there, there is no plot. There's no story. There's no connected a, a series of events like this, like that you could actually follow. Even, it's just thing after thing after thing. I don't even agree with that because it's still pretty much handed to her on a silver platter. Like, no, no, it's not. I don't. I don't know. Even hard things for Cher are not that hard. No, you know? but that's like, is that her fault? She's trying. We'll get into this. We'll get into this argument because yeah, I can understand yeah. what you're saying. We'll get into why we feel differently. But yeah, Seth, since it is your choice of film this week, you get to ask the question. Oh my God, Ricky! Like clueless. What's it about? <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> for me this film comes down to one central idea that then is like explored throughout and is kind of like where the character kind of comes out of but it's that 
privilege can be blinding is what it is. Uh, and, and this idea of is ignorance bliss, right? So share, I mean, the movie's called clueless and they bring up this idea of that share is unaware of deeper themes and deeper issues and deeper problems that other people go through because she doesn't have to experience them. And so even when she does something good, she does something that is helpful to people. It's always through her own lens and only to serve herself for the minor inconveniences that she has. And it's not until things stop going right for her that she is and thinks she's not on top. She loses a little bit of privilege. Not a lot. She loses a little bit of privilege. Yeah. Is when she starts seeing the cracks in her own in her own life and the way she lives. Yeah. It's not until she loses some privilege that she can actually see what's going on. Um and she becomes less clueless. And I think this this what this film does really, really well is oh you got a cat on your desk? Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> I could tell. But <laughs> I know that look. <laughs> that look. <laughs> I know that look. Uh, um, for me, the the smartest thing that this film does is make sure that you know that Cher isn't stupid. Cher's right. not stupid. Cher has a really great vocabulary. She uses words really well. She knows how to talk. She's she's smart. She gets like uh, she has like an A in geometry. Like she's not dumb. She's ignorant. Right, she's blissfully unaware of her own blind spots, you know. And I think that's like such a good line because, like, if she was both ignorant and stupid, I don't think the audience could tolerate her. No, they do ride that line sometimes where she like doesn't know some some things, um, but like for the most part, she's pretty smart. I mean, she uses words like like uh, inquiry and like rebuffed and like she like existential. Yeah, she uses. She's a very she's very smart. She is, Um, and so for me, we'll get into this a little bit later. I personally grew up pretty privileged, not as privileged as Cher, but like my you know my my dad's a surgeon, my mom's a nurse. We we grew up pretty pretty well off. We were very. I'll say this. We were very comfortable. I didn't want for anything in life. Yeah. And so I'm very fortunate and blessed in that way. And so I can kind of relate to share in some ways, not to the same extent, but in some ways. Um, But that's where I'm at. I think privilege can, can be blinding. That's where I'm at. Uh, I definitely think, what about for you? I definitely think that's there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think, um, it's a major part of what this movie is getting at. Uh, I think I will go a different, slightly different way and say that this movie is about other people's perceptions versus I'm trying to figure out how to say it correctly. Uh, it's, it's about other people and how they affect you. And when you should let their perceptions affect you and when you should help them, essentially. Like, like. It's kind of about influencers. 
it, it's kind of about influencers. Like, like other people's perceptions matter. Mm-hmm. Like you can't say, I don't care about what people, people think of me or you're a sociopath mm-hmm. really. Like if you do that entirely, but you oh, also I would have even to say like, so sociopaths to an extent do, do care. That's why they manipulate, you know, they, well, they, they know emotionally, that, they don't emotionally care. They lie. Yeah, they don't emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think, but at the same time, you're like, you have to, you're not going to be happy if you, if you just worry about what other people think of you all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but really one of the key ways to happiness is helping other people, you know, is, mm-hmm. is positively affecting and, and influencing other people, you know? So it's like a weird I think this movie is about the balance you have to find with with allowing other people to affect you and you affect other people. Uh, I'm still not saying it correctly, I don't think. But like No, I get I get a little bit what you're saying. We kind of talked about this a little bit in our God, I'm trying to remember if at this point if this one is out. Suspiria? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think <laughs> Well, no, it's yes, it out, is. out, but it's out. Yeah, it's it's out in their world. <laughs> it's out. In, it's out in your world. Uh, we talked about Suspiria. We talked about manipulation a lot, right? And I think at one point in that in that discussion, I talked about manipulation isn't inherent isn't inherently bad, right? Right. You can you can manipulate for a positive effect. Like it, yeah. it feels inherently like manipulation is like a gross word, but it, like we see share manipulate. A lot of people in this movie to a positive effect in a way. Yeah. Like it doesn't always go the right way, but like she manipulates uh, her teachers, Geist and Hall, Mr. H- Mr. Geist and Mrs. Ms. Hall, manipulates them for her own benefit, for sure. Yeah. So that there's a little bit like moral corruption there, but like to her own benefit. But ultimately, it was it good. Them for both of them. Yeah. It helps them. It does. It yeah. was good for them. They would not have found each other in that way or maybe they would have or maybe not. You don't really know. It's hard to say. Well, you know, I think that's determin- the beginning. determinism determinism is a whole other thing like whether or not they would have eventually found each other or not. But but it was to their benefit. I think that's I think but that's the beginning of her arc, right? So she's still shares still trying to help people mostly for her own good. But she's really mm-hmm. good at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's her thing is like, she's, she's very like this kind of remind, like, I hope I'm like, this reminds me of my sister a little bit growing up. Like my sister could do something very nice, super nice, but at the same time, she's going to be getting a little something out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's really good. She's re- like, so Cher is really good at like, everyone knows she did something super nice. Mm-hmm. But she's definitely self-motivated. But by the end of the movie, it it changes, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's learning that, like, people's perceptions aren't necessarily always going to make her happy because you can't mm-hmm. always be on top. You and, and you don't have a whole lot of control sometimes uh, over people's perceptions of you. And so you can't let that be what like rules you, but you still have to help people you like, but helping people is a core part of finding value as a human being, you know, like 
the when um, Travis is, you know, like mm-hmm. that's reflexive. He's in a twelve step program. It's like, like a major part of any addict program is learning that life's not all about you. Life's about helping mm-hmm. others. And mm-hmm. and so by the end of the movie, she's she's more motivated by helping others just just for her own fulfillment by helping others you know Mm -hmm. um and then also less concerned about people's perceptions of her like i mean she's gonna date her stepbrother like that's weird (laughs) you know like yes yes but it's not and this is something that i have a little bit more of an issue with with this movie for me, it's less about the stepbrother thing because, like, they aren't actually related at all. Like, Sherry even says, like, you were barely married to that woman. So they were even, like, Sherry is very closed off. She doesn't allow herself to be very vulnerable. I don't know how much she let him in as a brother. You know what I mean? I don't know if she ever actually was like, you're my brother. Were you in you know high mean? school, bro? Did you ever go to high school? <laughs> yes. <laughs> were you? <laughs> like, it's not going to matter. It is not going to matter. Here's the thing. I actually went to high school with a pair of step siblings that were dating. That's weird. I mean, in was, high school, that's well, weird. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Did they get made fun it was, of? It, here's, well, here's the thing. So they were, <laughs> they were dating before their parents got together, and then their parents got together, and they just kept – they stayed together. But I am 100% it, I'll say this. sure I'll say this. things said. I'll say this. We – it was definitely a topic of discussion, but I will say nobody outwardly made fun of them. But they, it was something yeah, that everybody yeah. talked about, though. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be. Not no one made about. fun of them, though. No one bullied them, but it was something like everyone's like reverse Isn't that strange. Well, the, the the reverse would be worse, like which was is what happens in this movie, right? Like, right. But again, but you didn't let me finish. For me, like that that is one thing I. I don't know. We don't know how long, how long, uh, uh, Cher's dad and Josh's mom were together. We don't know how long that was. It, Cher says it wasn't very long, but we don't know exactly how long. So there's that. Again, they're not blood related. It is weird. Don't get me wrong. Like socially, it's weird, but technically, there's nothing wrong with it. The weird thing for me is that she's 16 and he is in college. Yeah, that's also weird. That's the weird part to me. But the movie somehow, like, gets through it. Because if he's, like, 18 or 19, like, and she's 16, like, that would be, like, a high school senior and, like, a 16. Like, it happens all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at least it did in my high school. Like, seniors dating, freshmen dating sophomores. Like, that that was kind of a normal thing. Maybe I'm I'm putting myself in a bad place here, but that – I don't know. Like a senior dating a sophomore is not. Unknown. Yeah, that's that's totally normal, um, but I think, yeah, we. I, it's he he would need to be a, a young college freshman. Yeah, he would. It, he, he would, would be, have to have a. He would need to have a birthday later later in the in the semester, like second semester I think, even. I think legally, it's two years difference if it's a if it's a an adult dating a minor. So like. You can be 18 dating a 16 year old. You can be a well, 19. It's, it's it's state by state. Every state has different rules about this. Yeah. But anyway, for me, that's a little bit the more like weirdy part is that they're like, she's so much young, and she just also feels so much younger than him because of the way the character is. Like yeah. the character is infantilized a lot. Yeah. Like, 
So like for me, like that's more of it. Like for example, Cher eats with her hands a lot. Like throughout the movie, she's almost always like eating with her hands, yeah. which is like very like childlike. Mm-hmm. So like for me, it's like they're like trying to really show how immature she is. That's like yeah. the whole movie. She's immature, and so like that's what ma- almost makes it feel like there's a bigger gap because he's supposed to be mature. Like he is a little bit more enlightened, a little bit more socially conscious. I'm sitting here racking my brain. Like, what is the moment that she starts to have like to realize she's needs to help people more genuinely and like is it just like her own failures like her own not well, getting her I, and her I, realizing well, she I, if we're gonna look at this through a through a, a screenwriting perspective like if we're gonna look at this like actually like analytically in the film the moment that it probably happens is the moment that josh calls her selfish so okay. she 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 gets her report card. It's not good. Josh is there. Josh is the person that like pushes her to her enlightenment. Right. He's that character that that brings her along. And she t- she you know she gets her grades changed and and but she you know but she gets all these parking tickets or all these driving tickets and so she has to drive with Josh and like they in this conversation where she talks about how she changed her grades and how like he's like you know he's like you did the, you did all that just to service yourself. You know, you didn't do that for them. You did that all for you. And he straight up is like yourself. You're selfish. You only think think of the world. She doesn't doesn't seem like she, you know, it doesn't seem like it does, but then what's the next very next scene that we see her at the table with Dion. And the first thing she says is, would you call me selfish? It does. It did affect her. Right. But it it doesn't really impact her until she realized she's in love with him. I don't think like you don't see her. I disagree. I disagree. So, so because right after she asked Dion, you know, you know, would you call me selfish? And Dion says, not to your face, like as a joke, but like also yeah. like probably, um, that's when we, a scene later is when we meet Ty. Right. And Ty. And so she, and why does she decide to help Ty? Because that's her doing something just uh, for somebody else but- in her eyes. She thinks she's doing it for somebody else, not for herself. But at the same time, she's also trying to like, like pawn off a dude on her. You know what I mean? Like, but but she doesn't know. But that's again that goes to meet my idea of like this like privilege is blinding, and that you know Cher's just so unaware of of her. Like you said, her influence sometimes, or at least her. If it doesn't involve her, she's it's blank. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so she doesn't know that Elton likes her. And has been like hitting on her and flirting on her all year. She's like, what? Like, she had no yeah, idea. So I don't think she was trying to pawn him off. She wasn't trying to like get him away from her. She literally was just trying to hook up Ty with like one of the popular guys in school that's not seeing anybody. Yeah. Like in in Cher's mind, she's doing. She even says she's doing this, and I think she brings it up to Josh. And is like, I'm doing this just to help this girl, and it's not going to benefit me at all. And honestly, in a way, if you think about like like high school popularity hierarchy, someone else becoming popular is not good for you. You know what I mean? Right. When right. someone else becomes popular, it it doesn't raise your stock. It usually right. pushes you down. So like, and that's what ends up happening. We see later um, is that it, her that's helping Ty. 
that was that that her whole arc is strange from to me too because Ty's, it's like Ty's arc. Yeah, like it's like she becomes somehow a mean, mean girl, girl, and then is immediately well, not not one anymore. Well, you know, so, like, so I think I think that she for Ty she becomes popular, and so she gains again. She gains more privilege. She be, she can say and do whatever she wants at that point. And so it gets to her, it blinds her to her, to her effect on people, right? Yeah. And just to like how she's behaving. Yeah. She, she's she's been blinded by her popularity, and then I think, I think we, I think this was actually was something really smart that the movie did, and what didn't just like make her like a villain or like make her an antagonist all of a sudden. It was like, we all have these moments when we're behaving in a social environment and we're behaving in a particular way. And like, you have like your like internal monologue, like what the fuck am I like doing? Like I'm behaving in this way, but I can't stop myself. I had this the other day. So, uh, the, the film I was shooting just wrapped and we had our wrap party this past Sunday. Um, and you know me, I, it's very hard to get me to go out to social gatherings. Like if I don't want to, I won't go. Right. Right. Um, and most of the time out in public, you've always forced me to like talk to people. You know what I mean? Like I would yeah. just sit there and not talk to anybody. Yeah. I went to this party and weirdly enough, I found myself being very, I don't know what the word is, but like, I was like, I was vying for a lot of attention and I saw myself, I could see myself in my mind's eye. You're trying to get so much attention right now. Like you should stop. You know what I mean? Like I felt yes. like my natural inclination to like want to like just sit down and not talk to anybody starting to like want to creep in, but I could not physically stop myself from like being like this attention seeker. Yes. Um, and so until well, that's and kind of like, that party, old, that, that's I, old school of you, right? Like that's how you used yeah. to behave. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. And so as soon as I walked out of that party and got in my car, I immediately was like, fuck dude, you, I'm sure everybody was really annoyed by you. I don't think that – that might not be true. But like in my head, that's how I felt. Wow. Like yeah. you were being such an attention seeker. I bet everybody was really annoyed. You know? But I couldn't stop myself at the time. I could not stop. And so like yeah. for me, I think this movie does a really good job with Ty in that in that social situation, Ty could not stop herself from behaving in a particular way. Yeah. Because it is too strong of a pull. But – you know, it wasn't long after that scene that she comes over to her house to apologize. Right? Right. And, and, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to tie these two concepts together in a way because they're related, but it's like, Ty is, Ty wants popularity, right? Mm-hmm. Initially, she was better off on I, her own. Because well, does does Ty want popularity? Is I think the first question. Because originally, I don't know if she does. Jared just immediately swoops in and is like, "I'm going to make you popular." Yeah. And Ty would be fine hanging out with Travis and those guys. Like that's honestly her more her vibe. They would have just you know. Well, but but there's good that has occurred from these actions, right? Like no, I I, I know, but what what I'm saying is, does the 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 phrase does Ty want to be popular? I don't think she does because. As soon as she gets the chance to actually be her own person, she goes backwards. I guess to the two more of who she used to be. 
the two concepts that were floating here, and I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to create a, the verbal bridge. Yeah, uh, a bridge between my yeah. what I'm feeling and what you're feeling. Well, what you're feeling, but also just like the lesson to be learned from, okay, so this movie is about two things to me. Mm-hmm. Philanthropy and popularity. Mm-hmm. So like, so it's like, you, you can use your popularity for philanthropy and philanthropy can gain you in popularity, right? You can, you can use anything to become more popular if you know how to frame it correctly, you know? And, but it's like, at some point, it's like, you have to let go of what other people think of you, but it's good to be popular to help others in a way like you're going to have more effect in the world if you are popular you can do more if you're popular you know like the moment we see uh all of the different um charity organizations you know and nobody's at their tables like help the earth help whatever and then share is at her table to help the the beach the people that like lost everything at the beach and like the, the table's packed, you know, because Cher's so popular, she has enough influence to get people to, to, um, come to their charity. So, mm-hmm. but, but, okay. But we can, so like back to tie, right? So like mm-hmm. let's tie this in, uh, basically. So, She's using her, so Cher's using her popularity to help Ty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fit in and become a, 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 a happier, have a happier life, right? But that's not necessarily what's best for Ty. So, so it backfires. It backfires. Um, so I, I, I guess not, not, because it's not right. It's not. Well, I think. Well, I think this goes. I mean, I, you're hitting on an interesting point here. Of like, there's this idea of like, what are celebrities and people with social influence and people in power? What are they supposed to do? They should be doing philanthropic things. Like, you know, yeah. like should we ha- should this world have billionaires? Like, once you get to a billion dollars, should you continue to accrue wealth at that point and not just like distribute that? You know? Yeah. Like there is like a, a social responsibility in a way right but then but then you get to things like uh, the way america approaches its way its interaction with a lot of the world it's our job to go in and make sure that things are right right like look look at vietnam look at the middle east look at it you know how often we stick our noses in things because it's it's the morally right thing to do when truthfully it might not be you know, we're just sticking our nose in there because we think we have the right and moral high ground to do so. You know, and it backfires a lot. Um, and so I think there is this idea of like, when you have power and popularity and influence, do you have a social uh, responsibility to use it in a positive way? But then you get to the point where it's like you said, like with Cher and Ty, sometimes what you think is right is wrong. Like just because yeah. you are powerful, popular, and an influencer doesn't mean you're right. Right. You know? Well, that and that may be like what you're saying, like that privilege being blinding. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like 
your perception Cher, of what is right is is warped. Pers- yeah, like Cher thinks that the right thing to do is to make this person to be a certain way, but really the right thing to do was to just let her be herself. Mm-hmm. But however, comma but, like I do think. I do think there is some the structure that that Cher tries to implement on Ty does help her in the long run. You know what I mean? Because like mm-hmm. like this this is like a argument in, like that I get into a little bit with people like when people say just be yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, this is a dumb joke I say, and it's like it's like oh just be yourself, and then I want to punch you, you know. Like literally, because if I were myself, I would punch you, but I don't. Right. Like, so, Mm. so you can't just be yourself. Like that's stupid. If if we're all honest, like if you were yourself, you would be a hedonistic ball of like loserdom. Just like, Hey, I mean, like, not everybody oh, you, all the time. You mean the royal you, not the royal you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, like, it, like, be, being yourself is such a bullshit statement. I think because mm-hmm. like you have, and this is trying to kind of what I'm getting at with this, like helping others perception, like is like living by certain rules is helping yourself, you know, and it's helping others, like participating in society a certain way does help everybody, you know, because other, otherwise you wouldn't get anything done. You or like, you know, you wouldn't be able to move through the world in an efficient way. You know, mm-hmm. like if everybody just acted on their impulses all the time, like it would be chaos. So, so what I'm saying is, is I think she did help tie. It also inspired, I think, I think, Travis's situation, right? Is directly yeah, I like I really like that character. I think that character's yeah. great. Like Travis is directly, I think he's in love with Ty, right? And he sees Ty get her shit together, you know? Mm-hmm. Because like and and they were smoking weed together at the beginning of the movie. But by the end of the movie, Travis is clean, sober, and killing it as a skateboarder. He's himself, but he's also like He's he's his, the best version of himself, which has this structure. He's living his best life. Yeah. And so, like, that's what I'm getting at, I guess. It's like, it's like you, you do, to a degree, have to worry about the perception of others. But if it's so, if it's so all-encompassing that you for, actually forget about caring for others, mm-hmm. then that's a problem. So, so it's like, to, yeah, to, to, I, okay. So to bridge your gap here between like kind of what I'm, I, I've gotten from this movie and what you're getting from this movie is like, there is an unaware, unawareness of the, of how important it is to not care what other people think. Right. Like there's a, there's by, by, Care, focus by, by focusing on one thing so much, you're blind to everything else. You're yeah. by focusing on perception, the way that people perceive you. You are blind to all these other things. Yes. Well, I think I think this is kind of boring a hole into our ideas. 
like, like if you're, if you're self-absorbed, if you're, if your motivation to help others is purely for self gain, you're not actually going to help anybody Mm -hmm. like, and therefore you're going to be unfulfilled. So, Mm -hmm. so like helping others is what brings about fulfillment, but you won't actually be able to help others if you're self-motivated in that. So, so it's like you have to, the philanthropy has to be greater than the popularity. The Mm -hmm. popularity will help with the philanthropy, but yeah. And you know where we see that a lot in this, or at least we see that partially in this movie is when Cher, with Cher and her relationship with her dad, right? Yeah. Cher takes care of her dad. She yeah. tries to get him to eat right. She tries to get him to like engage with the family. She tries to like, you know, she she helps take care of him a lot. Um, she kind of assumes a wife like role in that way. Weirdly enough, she's Cher's she, fucked up. She's really fucked she up. Has, yeah. Well, her mom's <laughs> died in a plastic surgery, botched plastic surgery uh, accident when she was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> So like, yeah, Cher's messed up. She kind of assumes a wife role to her dad. Yeah. And she's a control freak. Like she has rules for everything, everything, anything in society she has a role for. And I mean, her whole, and like, I think the driving thing is like, like a very important, you know, is like, Mm -hmm. this is an area of her life where she doesn't have control. And how does she react? Literally. Yeah, she drives that yeah. car like a fucking maniac. Really quick pause here. The best scene in this movie, by far, is when they get is on the, the highway airplane. scene. Yes, Dude, I was gonna so bring that up. Funny, and and not only that, like that. I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie. That scene actually made me cry. <laughs> yeah, because it is really really funny. It's very funny. And then they get off this highway, and. What is it instead of like going into like this like shouting match like a lot of the comedies will go into this like shouting match of like silliness like it goes into a very real place as far as like what does a partner was a two partners that love each other what do they do yeah. immediately hey breathe you're okay you did a great job like he yeah, immediately yeah. goes into supportive, supportive boyfriend mode. mode yeah yeah like and like that was actually very touching. Cause it was so real. It was yeah. so real. Like, like he, like they might fight and they might like seem like they're like not a really good match, but like, and Sherry even talks about this later about like the way people perceive them as a couple He's like, but when nobody's looking, they care so much about each other and they're yeah. so considerate of each other Yeah. when nobody's watching. And so it's like, there's so much love there that is only ever seen very infrequently, but like, between uh, from by other people, but that that's why they're still together, despite if he cheated or you know if, any of that other stuff. Yeah. You know they they're fighting the whole fucking movie until these very important moments, right? Well, and I mean, and this is because they're so worried about other people's perceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Like they like what's his face, uh, Murray, Turk. Murray, yeah, Murray, <laughs> yeah, Murray. Turk. I love Donald Faison. Yeah. Let me just throw yeah, that out there. Yeah. I love Donald Faison. Uh, it's funny he had braces in this movie. Yeah, That's funny. Yeah. Uh, like Murray, Murray just wants to seem like a bad boy. He's not a bad mm-hmm. boy, but he wants right. to be gangsta and like he's not cheating, but he wants people to think that he's got all these side pieces. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like 
it's more perception, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Dion is similar, you know, she's wants to be, she's like mini share, you know, she's she wants to be share. the fight. She wants to be the feisty, you know, feisty, yeah. popular, feisty, popular yeah. girl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, you, you know, if you, you could argue, I mean, this, where you're seeing this like genre play out right now is the Kardashians, you know, like, mm-hmm. like Paris Hilton start, like continued it. And then now we have the Kardashians, which are basically like the, 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 the royalty of America at this point. Well, also, and, I mean, also you can even go into like this whole, like of what this movie, this whole arc of this movie is going through. But like, once you strip away all that glitz and glamor and, and privilege, like they go through some real shit, especially yeah. in their relationships. Like, look, I mean, obviously the Kim and Kanye thing is huge in, in, in pop culture right now of like how abusive he's being in the public eye to her. And then like, yeah, Pete Davidson coming in and be like, like, dude, stop, <laughs> like yeah. knock it off. This is bad for you. It's bad for her. It's bad for your children. Like stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so like we're seeing the, the, the breakdown of the facade in a lot of ways for these rich people who seem to have it all together, but like probably don't, you know? Well, tough. But that's, but that's even like part of, I don't know. Like I I've recently started watching the new Kardashians as like, I, I've never, like, I, I, I decided to watch it because I was like, I want to analyze this. I want to analyze this shit culturally. And, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, and it is great garbage TV. You know, like mm. it, it is like, you can just throw it on and, uh, and just like get it, like, it's easy to fall into it because everything's so pretty, you know, mm. and like they are living a life that is like just insane, you know, mm. <laughs> like, but it's, and it's, but and it's dumb, you know, but like you, you and I can kind of, because we've been in the industries for so long, like see through some of the guises and see how things work a little bit. And like some of it's very real. And then some of it's totally fake, you know, like totally Mm -hmm. posed and like, and like there's like one scene recently in the Kardashians where uh, I think it's Chloe and her best friend who is like a, a rapper. And it's Mm -hmm. like, this is straight out of clueless. Like they're, they're driving in a car and it's like straight out of clueless. And uh, it's just like, Things like that, like posed scenes that are de- like are definitely fake, and uh, mm-hmm. like the scenes with um, Kendall. Like I just recently watched, so like Kendall and Kylie are in a um, a car together, but it's like one of the only times you're seeing them on the show, and it's like there's no way this isn't scripted. Like, well, yeah, you have to set up the camera in the car. Yeah, and all, yeah of course. Like, there's no way that that like the funny thing that happened in the drive through at McDonald's isn't scripted, you know? Mm-hmm. Now I don't think everything's scripted. Like it's really, the show is about Chloe and her mom because like, they're the ones that the cameras follow all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like you'll get little glimpses of the rest of them, but like, I'm sure that they don't want those cameras in their life all the time. So like mm-hmm. those two are using the name to gain more popularity, you know? And, and, but like, they're a good example of, okay, well, I bet, I bet they have a lot of philanthropy. You know what I mean? I bet, I bet the Kardashians. Well, they do. 
the Kardashians do do live philanthropy. They do. It and is. so, like, it's true. So it's like th- this. This raises a question. Okay, this is so. Let's let's try. I mean, we've already gone an hour just talking about this, but like, let's turn it inward. Let's talk about uh, mm-hmm. how it affects us. And like, you know, for me, I have always had a hard time marketing myself. Um, like, I I was not. I was not popular per se growing up. Um, I was in the smart classes. So therefore I was around some of the popular kids, but I was not cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, I started getting cooler when I was in college um, because I was just around a bunch of people that were like me. Finally, you know, I was doing mm-hmm. theater. Um, I've always kind of like felt like I was, never going to be cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I would say for the first time in my life, I feel like, okay, I can hang with anybody socially, you know? Mm -hmm. But that being said, like the, one of the things is, is like an actor and things like that was like, I did not like marketing myself because I felt like it was self-indulgent and Mm -hmm. vain, right? But you're not going to be effective and you're not going to gain, like you got to gain popularity to become successful as an actor. So it's like this catch 22 of like, I don't want to be vain, but you kind of have to be vain a little bit to, to gain headway. And then you're not, you're not going to be able to do the things you want to do. I mean, so, but then, but then, okay. So then we, we're getting to another question. It's like, what should you be doing to help others? Right. So like if, if self-fulfillment comes from using your gifts to help other people, what should you be doing? And so like, I always felt really weird. I always felt really weird about like exploiting myself and my own vanity to like get to a place where I could, you know, Mm have success because is that really helping anyone? Is that really like, uh, dude, I'm in the same boat as you. So I I'm currently in the, the rehearsal process for a play for the seagull and yeah. my, some of my coworkers and managers at where I work are like, Oh, you got to tell us when, when the show goes up, blah, 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 blah. And I'm in the same way, man. I, I hate, and this is weird. I hate, Telling, telling, asking people to come to see the shows I'm in. Yeah, it, it, you're right. There is a. I don't want to be that self-absorbed van. Like, oh, come see me, come see me in in the play I'm in. Come watch me perform. Yeah. I I feel very uncomfortable doing that. But you're right. It's self. Self promotion is so important in this industry. You kind of have to like get people to do that. But I I feel weird doing it. So I totally get what you're saying. And like and, and similarly. Like one of the things that in my – at least one of my goals is if I ever become successful as an actor and make a lot of money and make a good, a really good living, one of the things I want to do is I want to donate back to this program I worked in when I was in college, uh, which is Jumpstart. I worked there for three years and I love them. I would love to donate to my alma mater's Jumpstart program. That's like yeah. something I want to do. So like you're right, but I have to reach a level of success and f- fame and fortune in order to do that effectively. Yeah. And it's you know, self-serving you know and and philanthropic at the same time. Like I am a waiter. 
right? Like that's mm-hmm. what I do is I serve people like, and I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a very, very good waiter. Um, it's like one thing I know how to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I've been doing it a long time. Um, I, and you know, whether or not, whether or not the universe is on my side, I don't know, but like, I almost have this feeling that I have to become so content in service that it's like the doors aren't going to open until I'm a perfect waiter. Like I, I hate, I, it's weird to say that, but it's like, I have to be able to serve like I serve as a waiter in every avenue of my life before I feel like the success is going to come mm. because then it's not, not about me. You know what I mean? Like I've gotten to the point where I am as a waiter that like, I don't really care how much money I make because I'm just going to do the same quality of good job that I do. And, and you're going to feel taken care of as you leave. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like pretty much not self-motivated at this point because I do this, I've done the job so long and mm. it's more about and, me doing my job well. And if you've, I'm sure, I mean, for these stories you told me, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter how, how yeah. good you, you, you do. They're going to tip you what they're going to tip you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's, people are going to come in. They're like, some people might be swayed, but most people are going to tip, have their preconceived notion of what they're going to tip when they walk in. And my, I think my like, and you kind of know this, uh, my like long term goal for I guess how I want to help people. No cat, no cat. <gasps> how I, I want to help people is like, I dream of being able to give my friends and the people I care about an. A, a way to, I, I want to have, I want to give what I want, right? I want to give an avenue for people to do what they love as a job. You know what I mean? Like I want to have become successful enough that I can give you a job, you know, uh, that I can give uh, our buddy Keeling, who we talk about on here all the time, like a job, like, like I want to be able to surround the people I love be surrounded by the people I love in my life, getting to do the things that they love to do. Like that's mm-hmm. my idea of uh, philanthropy in my life and how I wish I could serve. Um, but in order to do that, it's like, I have to make business moves. I have to use like, like re- just recently I've started to like, maybe accept the fact I might be okay looking and try to use that in my favor. You know what I mean? Like, like, and I, I feel weird even saying that, but it is something that I should, if I'm going to go this Avenue, I should exploit it. Like, but I, I have to do it in my way. Right. Like I can't, I like I'm satirically taking male model photos of myself, but it's one of those like riding the lines again, you know, like mm. just because you point the thing out doesn't mean it's not that thing, you know? Mm. So, and that could also be a, a way to like a little bit like do it with that. And, and like, like put a, put a buffer between yourself and like taking it too seriously. Like, no, no, I'm doing yeah. this as a joke. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a joke. 
like I posted a picture, like I've been working out a lot and I've gotten, you know, kind of, I've gotten pretty cut. Um, yeah. And so I posted a picture recently. It was, it was weird, man. I've never posted like a fitness pic. Uh, like a thirst so, trap? Yeah, like a thirst trap. And like, it's like, okay, I took this photo and first I posted it on Facebook, right? Mm. At, like Instagram, Facebook, like on my feed. And immediately only gay men started liking it. <laughs> and so I was like, wait a second. I don't know if this is the proper way to like. And so here's what I here's what the caption read. OK, it mm. read for the haters. OK, it was, it was like this picture is for the haters. Uh, because I feel like people have a perception of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess what I'm talking about here is I think about I think about other people's perceptions of me a lot, um, mm. and I don't like that I do. And I know I should transcend it, and I know it shouldn't matter. But I also know that other people's like I have to worry about people's perceptions of me if I want to be effectual in the world. Again, kind of like mm. reiterating what we're stating. So I took it down. I took down the posts. And I felt bad that I took down the post because that means I really give a shit what people think. Yeah, of, you know, a, a lot. Yeah. You know? So then I posted it again, but I posted it on my story because mm-hmm. that is now the appropriate place to post mm-hmm. these things. So I don't know. It was a weird little journey I went on there uh, with this fitness pick. Uh, but there are haters out there. And yeah. I, uh, Forget those haters. <laughs> you, you gonna say? I'm not. I'm not prone to the haters. <laughs> not at all, dude. Uh, so on our character player TikTok, I, we posted a, a like a, a stupid sketch about uh, uh, the a warlock in the group who like had a, a patron who was like. Hey, like, do what I say or I'll kill you all. <laughs> and it's like, it was like, go burn down this orphanage. And and then like when the patron, when the patron comes back, because you didn't burn down the orphanage. And then I did the whole like, uh, um, Ron Burgundy, I thought you were kidding. <laughs> I thought that was a joke. <laughs> and then someone comes back and it was like, that's not how warlocks work. You're stupid. And then I literally went, my brain exploded. Yeah. And all I saw was red. And I literally went to the player's handbook and was like, this is what it says about how warlocks work. <laughs> a warlock makes a deal with a patron in exchange for powers and s- services. You yeah. do your patron's bidding in return for these powers. Like, yeah. that's literally what a warlock is. And, like, he's like, and this guy was like, no, you don't, you're not warlocky. Right? And I was like, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. <laughs> I hate this random person on TikTok that says I'm wrong when clearly I'm right. So, long story short, yeah, I, I, I'm susceptible to the haters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even even Justin was like, "Dude, just let that shit go." I was yeah. like, "But he's wrong. I need him to know he's wrong." But it's it's you know it's we're in a weird we're in a weird place because it's like, and this is like. This is reflective of where I'm at as an artist, right? And it's mm-hmm. that it's that I want to make art in a pure way that I think is actually effectual 
and saying something to help. Right. Mm. But like, I think that's really hard to do right now in our society and not have and not be affected by the social media culture. And it's like, it's like you have to like society's momentum is so powerful that it's like, you have to do it. it it's, it's evolving, you know, like how you mm. communicate art is totally different now. And I, I don't know, I don't like it. So it's like, like, I can't stand TikTok. I cannot stand it. Mm-hmm. It's the most, it's caught, it's the cotton candy of art. Like it just like dissolves immediately and it's meaningless and pointless. And what is it doing to help anything, you know? And, and so it's like, it feels like popularity and I guess it like, it always has been, but it's just, you could break through. It doesn't feel like you can break through now. So like popularity uh, is so much more important than philanthropy. I, okay. I will say, I get what you're saying about TikTok. I know like it is hard. It is hard to break through TikTok. I think does have a, I don't know if it's net good or bad, but TikTok has given a lot of really talented creators and people a platform and like has been able to like launch a lot of really talented and artistic people into success. It's yeah. hard. Like, don't get me wrong. And most of it is, is frivolous and, and vap vapid most of yeah. it, you know, but like yeah. some really legitimate artists have, have blown up and found success using TikTok. So like there is some value to it. It's a tool, but most people use the tool wrong. But yeah. I will agree with you, man. Like art nowadays is like you do have to use social media to to like boost your art. Like I said, that's how these artists like did it. They use the tool of social media to help expo- like blow up their popularity of their art artistry. But like you like you said, you have to be ready for like those people to come after you. You have to be ready for someone to come up to you and say you're a virgin who can't drive. Like, it, like it, you got to be ready yeah. for that. It amplifies the existential like cognitive dissonance about self-indulgence so much like Mm. like what are you doing this art for yourself or for other people you know Mm. Uh, and like i think that's like a really like it's really difficult to figure out and try to maintain the integrity and the purity of in this day and age. And it's like, you know, you could post anything and go viral or you could post things for your entire life and have like, like my Twitter is so sad. Like, and that's like, like I have 23 followers on Twitter. Okay. Holy shit. Like so few, right? Like, and words are what I'm good at like words should be the thing that I have the most followers on is like, I'm good at, at phrases and and words. Like Twitter seems like the perfect game for me, but I suck at it. Like I have no influence whatsoever. So it's like, I don't know, man, you know, like, I don't know. It's tough, man. I think what we're kind of coming to as we're kind of concluding this conversation is like in the seek of, in the pursuit of popularity, of power, of influence, the the one thing that you have to maintain is a balance of perspective. Yeah. And to not 
be so blinded by by your popularity, by your influence, by your power that you're not paying attention to those around you anymore and what they need. Yeah. Like you don't want to become as the movie said, you don't want to become clueless to other people's struggles, to to uh, to the morality of the world. You don't want to close yourself off to it in pursuit of your own gains. It's a there's a balance. Yeah, the and then I mean there's a whole another conversation here which maybe we should postpone for a different film, but like when is sacrificing and like you also have to take care of yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you also have to like see when you need help and see when you need like when you need to date your stepbrother, I guess. <laughs> you know, like if only. If only. Yeah. As if. <laughs> but maybe that is for another time. <laughs> Uh, Seth, thank you so much for talking about Clueless with me. Uh, That concludes it. Thank you all out there for listening to us talk about Clueless. And this is not the route I thought we were going to take when we talked about this movie, but this is where we are now. (laughs) Um, So it is time for us to talk about what is next. What are we going to be doing next on the podcast? Well, yeah, the next film we're going to be watching uh, is uh, a movie uh, because, uh, uh, you know, I forgot why that I said I was going to pick this movie, but you know, I'm picking it. There's a, there's a body swap movie that's coming out, uh, with a Diane Keaton in it. I can't remember what it's called right now, but it made me think of my favorite body swap movies. So I was going through like freaky Friday and things like that. But I, I eventually I landed on big. We're going to be watching 1988's big, which is one of my favorite movies from my childhood. Um, this is going to be our second Penny Marshall film that we're watching. Penny Marshall also directed A League of Their Own. So cool. it's funny that we're doing it so close together. Uh, but yes, we're going to be watching 1988's Big. Um, it's been pointed out to me that finding this movie is actually a little bit more difficult than expected. Some of these uh, uh, places that it says it's available, it's actually not available. So if I list one that where it's not available, I apologize in advance. Um but it is available to stream on Stars. It's available to stream on YouTube, Apple TV, Roku, Sling TV, Philo, Google Play, and Vudu. Um, I've been told that it says it's available on Amazon, but it's in Hulu. But as soon as you go there, it just directs you to Stars. So if you have a Stars subscription, that's probably where you'll be able to see it the easiest. However, I know for sure that you can rent it for three ninety nine on YouTube. So if nothing else, that's where you, you do. do. Yeah, that's you probably too. what I do. Um, so we're going to be watching Big. Hopefully you guys are watching along with us and tell us what you think. Tell us what you think of Clueless. What are your thoughts? What are you? What's your theme glean? We're going to get little hashtag theme glean uh, shirts. That's going to oh. be our first t-shirt. Word. Word. Next time, theme gleans. <laughs> well, tell us what your theme gleans are. Uh, we would love to hear them. And tell us what films you guys might want us to do uh, in future episodes. Uh, Seth, go ahead and shout yourself out. Yeah, uh, you can find me at the Birdie Word on Twitter. Please do <laughs> the Birdie Word on Twitter. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D, and uh, you can find me at Seth Adam Crow on Instagram, as well as uh, my podcast on Spotify and Apple Music, which is the Crowcast. Two words, the, and then Crowcast one word, C R O W E C A S T. Awesome, Seth. I, I personally would like to apologize because I don't think I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> only because i don't use twitter like yeah. i i have a twitter that i made 
right when Twitter like became popular and I like posted like two things on it and have not been on it in maybe like six, seven years. So yeah. like I apologize that I don't It's a hard game. game. Twitter's a very hard game. I don't game. like it. I don't yeah. like it. Anyway, I'll go on I'll re download Twitter just to follow you so you'll have twenty four followers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I am Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on TikTok and Instagram. Uh, and you can find both Seth and I on our Dungeons and Dragons show, Misfits of the Multiverse. You can find that at Character Player on both Twitch and YouTube, or you can find podcast versions of the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And again, you can find this podcast, the What's It About Film podcast, at What's It About Podcast on Instagram, uh, where we post links to the episodes every Friday. So keep an eye out for that. And again, that's where you can interact with us. That's where you can tell us what you guys are wanting us to do. You can share your thoughts. Uh, please get involved with us. We'd love to, to hear from you guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Seth, thank you for being here today. We'll see you next time. Adios. Bye.